Actors Talk Podcast, episode 66. For this episode, we're venturing across the pond, as we say, into Shakespeare country for a conversation with British stage, film, and television actor, a man with over 35 years' experience on his actor's journey, Mr. Michael Bott. Welcome, everybody, to Actors Talk Podcast, episode 66. My name is Tommy G. Kendrick. I am the producer and host of our digital get-together, and I want to thank you so very much for joining me wherever you are in this big, wide world of ours. The fantastic thing about podcasting, one of them, is that the reach is indeed global. So I have no idea where you're listening right now. I would love to know where you're listening, so get in touch and tell me, but thank you for being here. I really, really do appreciate it. I had some really good fortune recently. I stumbled upon a show that I want you to know about, because if you're an actor, no matter where in the world you are, this show can be one that you can enjoy and participate in on this Blab.im platform, and it's called Actor Chat. The host is my guest for this episode, Michael Bott. I stumbled upon it recently when I just first learned of the Blab.im platform, and I found the Actor Chat show there, and it is terrific. It's a fairly simple show, actually. It's just sort of a discussion show. It's freewheeling. Sometimes there are specific topics, sometimes more general of nature. It can be informative. It is informative. It's also a lot of fun, and it really gives one the sense of community that we can have on a global basis as actors, as creative people, and I want you to check that out. So just go to the blab.im platform and look for actor chat. I think you're going to enjoy what you find there. So once I was hooked on these actor chats and I was really intrigued by this Michael Bott character who was the host and the facilitator there. And I went checking to see what more I could find out about this guy. And it was easy to find out because he's uh, really has a nice presence on the internet. I was soon to find out that not only is he a skilled actor, he is a very well-rounded individual indeed. He is a skilled photographer, a guitarist, a video producer, a director of several documentaries, including one that I find incredibly fascinating. It's called Standing with Stones, and it's about prehistoric stone structures in and around Great Britain. What? What a project that was, and maybe I'll get a chance to talk to Michael at some length about that in another show. But Standing with Stones, I'll have links to that and all of the places you can find out about him in the show notes. But I'm just very, very pleased to bring to the Actors Talk audience this terrific artist and someone that I'm very happy to say is a new friend, Mr. Michael Bott. All the way from London, England. It is such a pleasure. Michael Bott, thank you so much for being with me here on Actors Talk. 
deep pleasure, Tommy. Uh, I must say it's um, it's an honor and a privilege to be invited to be on your show. I've not been in the podcasting game long, and yours is one that I picked up on very, very quickly indeed. And to be a uh, uh, guest on your show so soon um, is a, a, a very nice surprise. Thank you very much indeed. Oh, you said I was speaking from from London. I'm not. Oh, no. I'm, okay. I, no, no. I'm, I'm right in the middle middle of England, near Stratford-upon-Avon. Ah, okay. See, yeah. that shows what I know. <laughs> Shakespeare's country. Oh, my Warwick. goodness. Oh, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Is that the part of England you grew up in? Actually, yes, not far from. Um, I actually grew up near a, a town called uh, Banbury, which is 20 miles down the road. In the States, you know, I'm used to having either, you know, large cities or medium cities or even very rural areas. I'm really not familiar enough with your country to know what type <laughs> of what type of uh, situation that was. What population-wise, what was that like? When oh, you were Lord, up? I have no idea about population size. Well, I mean, generally speaking, a, a, yeah. A, a small, rural, local-ish sort of town with villages around it and things like that yeah well it, yeah. it sounds in, incredibly inviting the way you describe it <laughs> but, but then i find everything you say to be incredibly inviting because you're you're have such a lovely voice and a, and a way of uh, speaking that it's it just draws me into everything you say so oh brilliant thank you well, thank you. you that's that's really encouraging thank you very much well indeed. it's it's yeah. the it's the truth now when in your childhood or adolescence or whenever it happened, when did you first discover that you had some interest in artistic type things, whether it be music or dance or movement or theater? Did that come to you at an early age or was it something that developed a little later on as you grew up? Well, it didn't come to me with some kind of blinding revelation because my father was an actor and my mother was an artist. Oh, Isn't wow. an artist. I mean, she what? Well, she's ninety-two. She's she's still with us. My dad, unfortunately, is not. Um, but yeah, I kind of grew up with that kind of background, even though my father didn't become uh, an actor until he was in his 40s. He'd already always shown uh, uh, an interest, um, but he became unemployed and and, and went, uh, well, what have I got to lose? And he auditioned for, um, for BBC Radio and got accepted. Those were the days. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. Now, now yeah. is, isn't, that, isn't that a story? A man becomes unemployed and goes to acting rather than the other <laughs> way around. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I love it. Now, before he became an actor, though, did he, I mean, was, was he obviously sort of in that realm or in, enjoying, did, did you guys go to plays growing up and that sort of thing? Was there some indication that this is something he would really like to do before he actually made the leap? Do you, do you know what, Tommy? No. I mean, not from my point of view anyway. I mean, you know, when you're that kind of age and what we're, we're talking you know when he became an actor I was oh lord I don't know how old I was but uh, you know I was 11 or 12 or something like that okay you're not really you know aware of um you know interests that may be lurking underneath the surface of, of your parents you right know? right sure uh, you know and as far as my I, I, my mother was an art teacher and you know well, that's the way things are so it 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 doesn't occur to you that there's sort of maybe underlying 
currents uh, and, and so on and so forth. You know, you just uh, treat life as it comes, don't that, you? That's, that's right, yeah. So uh, since your dad was an actor, when you decided to follow that path, was uh, he encouraging to you or did he say, oh, this is a tough life, don't do it? No, uh, he didn't say, no, this is a, a tough, well, he may have said this is a tough life, but I think I was already aware. Um, you know, by the time, uh, you know, or he'd been around the business for a bit by the time, you know, it came for, for me to be choosing what to do. So, and this is after I'd, I'd left um, uh, school, really, and, and some years on, I'd already seen uh, the ups and downs and the, the lack of uh, security in it. So, um, yeah, I don't think he needed to have a conversation on <laughs> on, on, not on that score. Um, but, no, he was incredibly supportive when I did um, finally make the plunge and go to drama school and, and, uh, and afterwards as well. You know, I, I know a bit about you because I've been stalking you on the internet here over the <laughs> <Of course. laughs> over the over the past few weeks, trying to find out everything I can about this Michael Bott character that so intrigues me. And I know, therefore, that you have some musical ability, and that you're particularly, I think, an aficionado of the guitar. Did music, or was music, an interest before acting, or did they come simultaneously, or? What was yeah, so I've, I always um, seem to have a guitar lurking about. I mean, it, you know, it, if I could be anything else in life, I'd, I'd probably, I would love to have been a, a, a jazz guitarist or, or a rock guitarist. Um, so I always had a, a guitar lurking about, for, but for some reason, I never really picked it up and took it seriously. I was always what they called a, a, a bedroom noodler. I like that term. I, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, twiddle for a bit, but I never had. <laughs> and uh, and and play um, uh, uh, as fast as my fingers would uh, let me, and uh, put it down again. You know, I, I after school, I, I never had a band again until just a few years ago when I did have a uh, a band. But unfortunately, I had to let it go because actually having. Uh, a band and being an actor is not things that mix too well. Is that right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I assume both very time consuming. So, well, it's not the time consumption what is so it? much, um, but um, it, it's, if you've got a band, you want to be gigging and, you, and if to be gigging, you've got to be pursuing the gigs and it's very odd to be pursuing things. If your career acting career comes first, then there's always the possibility you set up a gig and you, then you say, actually, no, I can't do it because I've got a casting that day in town or, you know, a, a, a job has come up. It, it's, um, yeah, you, you, you start wearing two heads, two, two hats, and uh, it doesn't have a lot of integrity. To it. You'll just have to wait for the time when you can become a celebrity Band, That's right. You know, have have That's a right. big big time name band as as just sort of a quaint side gig. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you could be a Gary Sinise or a Dennis Quaid or someone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, it's very interesting in sort of trying to figure out what the what the likenesses are and the differences are between acting in your country and in mine and and how yeah. things are perceived. I've been thinking about this a lot. I just saw the the film Forty Five Years. Have you seen that that no, film with, with Charlotte Rampling and Tom Courtney? 
Oh, really? No, and, no, and, I haven't seen and, it yet. And it's really wonderful. It, I wouldn't see it if you're tired because it's, it's, you know, there aren't a lot of gun battles in it or anything, you know, it's, <laughs> it's you know, but, but it's, it's wonderful. And the acting is so good. And one of the things I really appreciate about European films or what we in the States would call foreign films is that the actors so often appear to be, and maybe I'm wrong about this, you can correct me, appear to have been cast because they're right for the role are they, and are they are good actors, not because they necessarily are the best-looking people on the planet. And, and, yeah. it's, and it seems to be, you know, in, certainly in the more commercial films produced in the States, you know, looks are incredibly important. And it seems mm-hmm. to be not so much that way with films where you are, but, but I may be wrong about that. But what's your perception there? I think there are more of those types of film in existence. But, um, of course, the star system is alive and dwelling and kicking this side of the Atlantic as well. Indeed, I, I, I noticed um, an article, um, I can't remember which, oh, the, no, the, uh, the, the uh, industry newspaper that we have called The Stage, over here, it was an article by somebody bemoaning the fact that um, West End theatre, indeed, has become star starstruck. Once upon a time, um, you used to be able to discover unknown great actors in the West End, starring in the West End in new shows, new plays, or what have you. Um, but not so much nowadays. Not so much nowadays. Um, and it's all a uh, it's all a money thing, Tommy. You know. Sure. It depends where the, the money is coming from. I think uh, European-made films, um, I'm not sure which countries. I know France, of course, uh, strongly supports its film industry. I'm not too sure about other European countries, uh, countries but France directly supports its um, film industry. So something uh, that may come out of France, you know, whatever language it may be, may not be so worried about the where, where the money has to come from. The investors are indeed may not be wondering how they're going to get their money back simply because they've got a, a star or two in, in the main roles. Um, the film industry here isn't um, supported directly by the government, but as you know, there are plenty of uh, tax breaks for um, uh, film uh, production, but that doesn't uh, negate the need for independent investment. So there's always that um, that question mark. Um, but uh, your perception is correct, but I'm not quite sure. You know what the reasons for it are, and unless there's some kind of um, legacy effect, you know, of uh, the kind of actors that directors look for. In this country, you know, there's more maybe um, that you have maybe more directors as auteurs who like to rest control of the artistic side of things. And that means casting. Right. You know, that's such an important part of it, you know, from the control of uh, money people. Interesting that you bring that you mentioned casting, because I was I was speaking to an actor friend of mine yesterday. He's from Los Angeles. And he actually said, you know, ask your friend, Michael, about casting in the UK, if he understands if what the differences are, and maybe you do or maybe you don't, as compared to the US. Mm-hmm. They are, to, to a great extent, gatekeepers um, who can select 
who gets in, who doesn't get in for an audition. They don't generally make the decisions on who gets cast, but they can either get you in front of the people who do or, you know, not allow you to be in front of them. I would assume it's a similar system there. Is that not? Well, it, it is. Um, and of course, not having experience of um, uh, both kind of sides of, of the Atlantic, I can't make a, a direct comparison. Sure. But uh, interestingly, listening to one of your earlier uh, podcasts with, I can't remember the name of the guy offhand, one more. Um, oh, Marcus one Flanagan. Less, uh, Marcus Flanagan. Yeah, Marcus one, Flanagan. One less bitter actor, yeah. Yeah, uh, and the 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 clarity that uh, he had about the the casting chain, um, speaking to that everybody was afraid, right? You know, and and it wasn't saying that I got you know from uh, any kind of judgmental thing or anything like that. It's just the way it is, and it was more of a a sop to uh, actors going into the room, you know, saying. You think you're afraid going into the casting room? You should stand in the casting director's shoes or the director's shoes, you know, because there seems to be more pressure to make the right decision. That's a sense I got over your side of the Atlantic than over here. Something we don't think about or I don't or hadn't considered until, you know, I started pondering this some time ago, but that that casting directors... They're out there when their job is finished, unless they're working for a studio, they're looking for the next job. So they have to bid on jobs and their jobs come largely because of their reputation for the projects that they have cast in the past. And so they have to deliver as well. And certainly in television, the casting situation here, and I would suspect there as well, is so pressure packed because of time if you're on a series here, they're shooting a new episode every week. And so casting is constantly seeing actors for the episodes coming up and they don't have time to look, uh, you know, yeah. everywhere. And so they winnow their searches down to a certain number of agents upon whom they know they can depend, who have clients that they know will be able to deliver and that sort yeah. of thing. So it's it's very this is a very, very subjective um, observation, uh, but my my guess is that to a degree, and and, and you know every, everybody's under a pressure of one sort or an, or another, both sides of the Atlantic. But the feeling I get that there's it's slightly more relaxed. This side, that's just a you know a a, a very sub. From listening to people, you know, because obviously I've not, not been over to your side to LA or anything like that. But also, I get the feeling because probably um, um, f- for, as I said, legacy reasons from there being uh, the BBC, which of course is entirely um, public funded, um, that in television, directors still have a bit more artistic clout above where the money may be coming from. Um, And directors and producers are more hands-on from an artistic point of view than they are from a, you know, watching the money point of view. I think think there's just a a slight twist in the direction of not being so worried about 
the hierarchies and what those above may be worrying about in terms of money and ratings and so on and so right. forth. Sure. I may be wrong. It's simply um, a, a kind of uh, a perception. And I, th I think the other thing is because directors over here, I think, tend to expect a little bit more to have more control in the casting department and in the directing uh, department, maybe because a number of them have come from theatre. I don't know. It can work that way. Yeah, I don't know. You know, yeah, it's, it's like in, very, in very US. interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the situation here and I, and I'll get off this subject here because I want to talk about you and mm -hmm. you know, the, the clock is ticking, but the interesting thing here, let's say on a series, a very a hit U S series, they may employ yeah. any number of directors, but let's, let's sure, just hypothetically sure. say they use five or six rotating directors. Those directors will be somewhat involved in the casting, but the casting process goes on while they may be shooting another episode or something. Oh, yeah. and, then, and then ultimately what, yeah. what, what happens is all of these people that are, are narrowed down to, you know, they have pins in their names or they, these are the people we want. Then they have to go for a network approval. And yeah. the network, ah. the network actually does the approval. You know, even if it's yeah. someone the director may want, then the network may say yes or no at, yeah. at that point. So it's a little bit different. So yeah, just very, very interesting. I wanted to explore some of those likenesses and differences, and I appreciate that. Well, let's let's get back to Michael Bott because you have a very mm -hmm. interesting oh, him. story. Yes, <laughs> you you have a very interesting story. You were an actor from. Uh, when, when did you start professionally? In the early eight, late late seventies, early eighties? Would you say uh, nineteen seventy six? Summer okay. of nineteen seventy six was my first professional engagement. I oh. come away from drama school. I came away from drama school early. Actually, um, I got frustrated with the one I was at. Um, um, I came away at the end of nineteen seventy five. But my first job was at uh, Frinton on Sea doing weekly rep. In that summer, awesome. So you, so you went and you worked from 1976 as an actor. That was your primary yeah. focus of your career and your life at that point, up until when? As an, about 2000 or so, the year 2000. Yeah, it sort of, it sort of, uh, it, it didn't come to a, a grinding uh, dead halt. Um, uh, yes, uh, 97, something like that was this kind of. Um, turning point uh, where I began to um, I, I just got a bit disillusioned I think it, it, it was Tommy I mean, there's quite a long story um, uh, behind uh, that um, you know the, there's quite a few aspects to it one of slight disillusionment another of um, uh, something else beckoning Right, uh, you know, and a, and a few other things as well. How do you want me to deal with that? Well, the, I mean, the in interesting, a concise way. yeah, <laughs> sure. I mean, the the thing is, and as I've told you um, previously, one of the most frequent questions I've gotten since I've been doing a blog or a podcast is from people who come to me and say, you know, I really wanted to be an actor, and I wanted to do that when I was younger, but my parents said no, or something happened. I got married and life took me a different direction and I've always regretted not pursuing acting. And now I'm 40 or 50 or older. Is it too late? Can I still pursue it? Or 
alternatively, there are people who say, I was an actor, I stepped away for whatever reason it was, and now yeah. I want to know if I can come back. And that seems to be you know, paralleling, paralleling your story. So, I mean, is there a why that's, that's fairly succinct of why you stepped away when you did? Uh, sorry, say, say that again. I say, um, is there a why that you stepped away? Was there a major overriding reason when you decided to step away from the acting business? Very, very concisely, two, two things. Um, one was the, the penny finally dropped in 1997, whenever it was. I was actually understudying at the National Theatre in, in London. Uh, and um, without going into the, into the whole story, the penny dropped that um, it's not a meritocracy. Okay, and that, that explain can, explain that term, the penny that dropped. You, that you can act your socks off. Um, you can uh, be regarded as you know as a study in this instance regarded as doing a better job of a principal role uh, in the national theatre of your country than your principal, and still you'll get still get stuck where you are mm. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's a, there's quite yeah. there's a bit of a bit of a story there I'm as sure you can, as we'll, you we'll explore that another time you know, yeah so you know so, so the, the 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 bite had gone out of it to a certain degree okay but also um i had started uh writing for some reason i'd sustained an injury a couple of years before and i'd spent some time on my back wondering what i was going to do and i started writing a tv series and in the pursuit of um getting that tv series made it never was by the way but um through the connections and networking i did it became easy uh, and uh, we've my, my wife and i fell sideways into making corporate videos uh, and tra training videos, which was actually, you know, it was great working together and it was uh, uh, more lucrative for that time. Uh, and also it enabled me to pursue some other ambitions of mine in the filmmaking uh, uh, regard, uh, documentaries actually, not uh, drama, strangely enough. And... Um, yeah, I mean, the, the last one I did was my magnum opus. is a film um, about the standing stones and stone circles and ancient sites of the British Isles, which too, took two years out of my life. But oh, wow. was my, as I say, my magnum opus. It's a feature-length documentary. And, and is uh, that available for people to yeah, see online? Yeah, it's, it's, it's all on YouTube and, right. and stuff like that, yeah. Awesome. I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be send sure you to a put... link so you can put them in the show notes, yeah. Good. Absolutely. Okay, so you you did this other work. How long were you involved in the corporate video and documentary filmmaking before you decided to come back to acting? Um. Yeah. Oh, gosh. When uh, six, six, four, no, <laughs> it was about eight eight years, I guess. Oh yeah. Something, something like that. Yeah. I mean, okay. Sharon and I made about forty. No, sixty. I think films. Uh, stuff, oh, wow. you know, off and on. So for some reason, time. yeah, I was thinking it was like 10 or 15 years that you were, you know, mm. that you were away. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I got that, that impression, but anyway, so, so we, but you were gone for a period of time. So at some point you decided, okay, I'm going to give this acting thing another go. What was, yeah. was there an inciting incident or something, a why to that decision? 
Well, it was kind of basic midlife crisis sort of thing, really, <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. Um, I had, I'd come a long way, a long way from it. It didn't seem achievable to get back in. It, it didn't, it, it, although I've said this before, it, it's a strange thing when you are an actor, but being an actor is your comfort zone in a way. It's it's what you know. It's a strange thing to say because, of course, um, uh, you know, going on stage is one of the most terrifying and out of your comfort zone things you you can do. Um, but uh, when when being in that environment and when being an actor is your comfort zone, um, there's always a kind of siren call. But I couldn't figure out. I couldn't um, think about. Um, doing it again. I, I couldn't see a way back um, for me. Yeah. Um, uh, um, you know, so, so I hadn't really countenanced it. And uh, uh, the the the, the um, corporate stuff and that had actually petered out quite some time ago. And Sharon and I had been doing um, some other stuff, you know, but which wasn't that inspiring right uh and yeah so i was thinking well what am i going to do next but i think you know getting around to the question of of getting into acting whether you're coming to it for the first time later on in life or whether you're re-entering it again yes, the, yes. the crucial thing is being able to make the commitment because you can't be half in even though it's it's a gamble it's a risk because there are no guarantees of the success. You can be pretty sure it won't come unless you can be all in and committed with all your chips on the table with it because you do have to be focused towards it and you have to be available. You, um, you know, that, that's the other thing. You, you can't um, <clears throat> uh, check out of castings because, oh, dear, you know, you arranged to do something else that day or you're doing something else. Right. Uh, you know, those are the things that those are the things that you have to consider, um, uh, I think. But yeah, the thing was, I just said, yeah. right, no, okay, got to got to do, do this. Um, and uh, yeah, got myself um, going again. I think the, the opening that I saw, interestingly enough, was the potential for the internet, you know, which wasn't um, you know, and social media, which wasn't around when I left in the, in the same way, was a potential for that to empower me to have some say about how things went. Well, that's, that's an excellent point. And I was going to ask you what, how the business or your perception of the changes in the business of acting had occurred between the mm -hmm. time you stepped away yeah. and the time you came back. And certainly yeah. the internet, social media, that has to be, uh, you know, a, a huge part or component of, of those changes. Yeah. 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 Cause we, yeah, we're, we're able now. And you know, one thing I, I really encourage actors or try to encourage actors to do through the podcast. And I need to take my own advice more is, is, <laughs> is not to sit around and wait for the phone to ring, you know, wait for the agent to call because we'll all yeah. be sitting and waiting forever if we do that and with yeah. technology the way it is not only just the internet and the accessibility of information but the price of technology the price yeah. of filmmaking tools for heaven's sakes i've got an iphone 6s plus that shoots 4k video 
Yeah, you know, sure. If if I want to go out and shoot a little short film, I can do that. There's no there's no reason I can't do that. And if I yeah. don't have something to shoot, I can get with a storyteller that I know, a screenwriter or whatever, and get with someone and go out and do some work, even if it's just creative work to keep myself. Uh, working and improving my technique and in front of a camera and feeling creative. There's no reason now, certainly, if there was then, there's no reason now to sit and not be productive and be creating things. And that is a really exciting development for this time in which we live. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing I noticed when I came back was how many more of us there were. <laughs> oh, and and of a slightly different uh, uh, quality. Of course, the, the the days of the closed shop over here had uh, long gone. One, once upon a time, um, you uh, couldn't work if you didn't have an equity card, and um, you couldn't get a, an equity card unless you had work. Um, <laughs> a bit like that. So, oh, yes, um, the union closed shop um, laws, um, yeah, you, you couldn't have uh, a workers union that uh, had a closed shop um, policy anymore. So equity had to, uh, A, open the doors and also um, you, um, you didn't have to have an equity card to work in the industry. So, so I'm, what I'm finding now, of course, there's an awful lot of actors who have not been to uh, drama school, um, which is not to say that you have to be, have been to drama school at all. I'm not saying this for, for a moment. But I think it, it's all too easy. The downside of social media is um, it, it, it looks like it, it's all too easy to get sucked into the idea of... of um, of being on film. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, years, 20 years ago, I guess now or more, uh, there was the advent of screenwriting software yeah. formatting. Yeah. So suddenly everyone was a screenwriter, you know, yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> because all you yes. had to, all you had to do was load final draft or whatever, or even at the time, you know, some word processing program with some, uh, you know, some a keystroke set up and you could properly format your words into what looked like a screenplay. But yes. it, it didn't mean that it was a good screenplay. It just meant that you had written something in the form of a screenplay. And so there's all this rubbish out there that's being created you know, because of the democratization of the process in a way. But there, that right. means there's a lot more noise out there as well. So if you have a good product, it might be a little bit tougher to, you know, raise your head above the masses and say, hey, my thing is, is actually good, you know. So there is, there yeah, is that side sure. of it as well. And the, the thing is discerning um, those people that are just in it for the crack uh, you know, and that goes for directors and, and what have you in terms of, of um, uh, f film productions, an awful lot of independent film production that's there for the purpose of, I don't know, uh, making a film. It, it, it's hard to discern the, the serious players, right? the ones that actually have a trajectory uh, and are uh, intent on developing themselves as artists um, rather than just the kudos of, of having made a film. Yeah. Um, so yes, I, it, it's, it's easy to get on, on board, but it's very, it's not all that easy to discern one 
from um, the other. So as you say, there's a lot of noise out out here, especially yeah. when you want to work, when you want to put yourself, when you love putting yourself in front of a camera, when you love the um, the, the the vibe of being being uh, on a set uh, with people. You know, even better if it's in a silly costume. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, it, it's um, yeah, it, it's all too easy to to be seduced and 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 uh, lose track of uh, hang about. What about my craft? What about um, you know, really actually saying something meaningful and worthwhile out there. You know, yeah, so. yeah the, the whole equity card discussion I find interesting because I'm, I'm a SAG-AFTRA member and have been since 1978. And, of yeah. course, for a long time, it was the same catch-22. You couldn't get a job in a film unless you were a SAG-AFTRA member and you couldn't be in SAG-AFTRA unless you had a job in a film kind of thing. You know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so the same kind of thing. And, and to a certain extent, if you're working in a major market in the U.S., whether it's New York or Los Angeles, maybe even Chicago – it's uh, in these places where the union is at its strongest, that might still be true. But in the U.S., there are pockets where, like Texas, where I live, is what's called a right-to-work state, which, ah. which means that if, the, if some project comes in, either originated here in Texas, or let's say it's a movie that comes in from Hollywood and wants to shoot in Texas, well, legally, casting cannot keep from seeing anyone because they're not a SAG after member. They have to see right. everyone yeah. and they have yeah. to hire them, not based on their union affiliation. And if yeah. they hire someone who is not a union member, a SAG after member, that you, that non-union person is required to get the same pay scale and benefits yeah. that the union person gets. So it's a, yep. you know, it's a very sticky wicket actually for, uh, for unions and the survival of the union. And you're right, it does open up the casting process to a lot more inexperienced people. But then the other side of the coin is a lot of non-union people get to be experienced. And, you know, then a lot of union people, you know, have to decide, well, do I remain a member or not? Mm -hmm. And it's, a, you know, it's a tough, tough situation. I do remain a member because the union's, you know, gone to bat for me a number of times over the years and collected monies that... You know, recalcitrant uh, producers otherwise thought they didn't need to pay. You know? But yeah. uh, so it's a you know it's a very interesting, very interesting topic. So, well, let me let yeah, me let me shift. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah, let's shift gears to your podcast because I want to people to know about actor notes. Okay, you have been podcasting now for a while. Why did you decide to make podcasting part? of what you're doing now. And is it, is it a part of a strategy to advance your acting career? Or is it apart from that? Or how do you view podcasting as part of what you're doing as an actor? Wow. Well, it seems like I've been podcasting for two seconds. Um, it was only uh, at the end of last year that I really um, uh, picked it up. Um, and I wouldn't have gone that direction. Uh, it was well, you know, uh, actor chat, and I, I don't know if uh, if people are, are familiar with the Blab platform, right? Um, but when I came, um, um, you know, when I came back to acting, I was surprised actually that that not um, that there weren't more actors using um, uh, social media. Um, 
in, in a more fruitful way, that they weren't grabbing hold of uh, tools like um, Google Hangouts and Skype um, uh, and things like that to get together because there are all sorts of ways. Uh, I mean, you know, actors generally do like to talk um, and, and get together. And unless they're working, it's... Mm, it's not often that they do get the chance to get together and and um, uh, and chew the fat and uh, maybe learn from each other. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised that there wasn't more of that kind of stuff going on. And I thought, well, okay, um, maybe I should have a stab at that and see see what happens. Um, and it was that I, I came across a, a video platform called Blab, and I just noticed that a lot of them had fancy microphones. You know, they, these weren't actors and stuff like that. It was, you know, entrepreneurs and uh, um, uh, and um, self-help gurus and, and, and things like that. But I, I started noticing these rather nice microphones. And what's that about? And discovered that um, a lot of people were using um, uh, podcasters were using this platform Blab uh, as a way of recording. Um, interviews. So right. that it was, it was simply that that made me think. Oh, I have heard of podcasting. It's been around for a long time. Is there anything in it for me? And I started looking around and uh, uh, finding out what was um, uh, necessary to do. And I think in in the back of my mind, there's two things really. Yes, it is a way of keeping one's face, voice, whatever out there. Um, it, it it raises your profile. There's no question. Um, about that. That's an element of it. Uh, but also um, some, just a, something to put your energy into, you know, a focus when you, one is not uh, working and being a contribution. I think that's the, 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 the major thing. It's communication and um, helping other people. You know, when things are so fast moving as they are out there, with social media and everything – you you need stuff that's of the moment. You need people talking about what's uh, happening now. Otherwise, you can feel a bit left behind out of it because you know uh, things that were said yesterday can be out of date tomorrow. Um, uh, and, you know, with that kind of speed of turnover, it's good to have people who at least a little bit know what they're talking about getting words out there. I mean this absolutely sincerely. The Actor Notes podcast is a must-have in your in your podcast library, especially if you are an actor. The, you do a number of shows, and you have a series ongoing now that you're just, I think, three or four episodes into. I think it's going to be a nine-part series with your wife, yeah. Sharon. Yeah. And, and they're absolutely wonderful podcasts, and they're on a variety of subjects that have to deal with actors. And I, you know, I binged, listened to all nine <laughs> episodes as I am wont to do with like Netflix. When I find a series on Netflix, I'll just sit there and watch episode after episode, you know. And I did that with Actor Notes. You may feel like you've been podcasting for two minutes, but it sounds like you've been podcasting for 20 years because it's, it's very, very well done. My compliments. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're sort of running short of time. Golly, I could talk to you forever. I know this may take our conversation completely down the tubes here. So. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but let, let me let me throw a sort of existential question at you because Please, you you, 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 you ponder yeah. you ponder things on your podcast and you talk about uh, things that that are deeper than the surface on your podcast. So I I know you'll you'll have you'll either tell me I'm nuts and need to see a doctor right away or something. So, but here's here's something I've noticed about myself, and I'm not sure this is a good quality, but I find that in moments of stress or in moments of even tragedy, a death, for instance, there's a part of me that I can, I can feel as the actor part of me is almost stepping aside and observing what's going on. Even though I'm in the middle of something that might be, as I say, might be, you know, a, a tragic situation. Have you ever experienced something like that? Do you, I mean, is, is that, is that weird? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, well, no, uh, I don't think it's, it's weird at all. Um, in fact, I think it's something of uh, a gift. I mean, we could get all existential and all the rest of it and we'll probably, um, be covering some, at least some of this stuff as we work through, I work through, we're sharing on the podcast with some of the stuff we'll, we'll be covering. Uh, and it's that we get so involved in the day-to-day -day and living inside our thinking in the moment uh, and, and believing that what we're feeling in the moment and, and right now is the way things is, the way things are, and, you know, uh, and my thought is just the way it is, and that's right. And having the experience, or uh, you know, of being you, you, the observer yourself, actually being forced outside the situation, gives you access to noticing that actually, that's just my thought. That's not actually real. That's just the meaning that I'm. Uh, giving to this moment. It's got nothing to do with the moment itself. The moment itself is just a moment. My experience of it is just the meaning that I give to it. So in some ways, you know, that experience is, is a gift and uh, revealing um, of, of the fact that... Um, you can step outside and get in charge of the way you're thinking. You can um, get outside and uh, reinterpret what's going on another way. Yeah, it's a very it's a very strange thing in a way, and something that I, I wasn't even conscious of until until I was. You know that oh wait I'm 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 documenting in my memory the smell that's in this room. Mm -hmm. The, mm -hmm. the sight, the way the way the covers on the bed are turned aside, the look on yeah. people's faces, how they're interacting at this moment. I'm I'm remembering all that thing, all the all of those things, and part of me knows that I'm remembering them because yeah. at some point I'm going to use this information to create a character. You know, I mean, it's, uh, and, really, really, and, really good. And, and you know, it doesn't, it you know. doesn't sound, it doesn't sound schizophrenic at all. It sounds to me, uh, yeah, of course, moments of stress, we can do strange things in, in, in the mind, but that sounds like something not too far removed from, um, being in the zone, yeah. being in a moment of flow, um, which I think 
it's one thing that, that I don't know, you have had, must have had this experience and I have. It's one of the gifts of having been an actor, particularly a stage actor where you do, you know, you, <laughs> you're more prone to uh, uh, existential moments uh, on <laughs> yes, a stage yeah. in front of um, uh, 1,500 people than necessarily on a, on a film set. Um you know that experience of being in the zone, of being in flow. It's it's, it's rare, but one has been there, and, and and that is a gift. It is it is for sure. Well, Michael, I I don't want to abuse your time, so I'm going to call a halt to this today. But hopefully, well, we I wouldn't can... call it an abuse of time. <laughs> well, hopefully, we can do this again. You you are you are a gift to the Actors Talk podcast to be here. I really thank you. I really appreciate. It. I mean, seriously, I have been looking forward to this. Thank you, Tommy. You've been an inspiration. You've helped me to think outside the box and and carry on. And and you know, you've informed in so many ways what i've um uh, been been doing so that's that's great and hopefully we'll be able to um, return the compliment by having you on uh, actor notes i would sometime. i would love to it'd be so, an, it would be my pleasure and honor to do so yeah, yeah. michael bot how can people find you on twitter or or on the internet quickly and i'll also have these uh, links on the show notes but go ahead and tell folks on twitter i'm at michael bot my website is um, michaelbot.net, so uh, I'm I'm pretty easy to find. Actually, I seem to have, yeah. The, it's, that's the advantage of having a slightly unusual surname. Yes, and you know, folks, just look for the disgustingly handsome British fellow with the wonderful voice, and you'll find uh, <laughs> you'll find Michael Bot. So, thank Michael. Thank you. God bless you. Hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. Do check out. Actor Notes podcast. It is a keeper. Until next time, God bless you all. Truly, I wish that for you. That's a wrap.